Welcome to The People's Show with Big Nazar and Randy Janda. Hey, good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon on a Canucks game day. Welcome to the People's Show. Spick Nazar, Israel Fair, filling in for Randy Janda. Coming to you live from the Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. You can always be part of the show. Text in 650-650 to the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. The smart alternative is at Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Dominic Schmatty running the show. As mentioned, Israel Fair here with me. What's going on? Good to be here, man. Yeah. Hyped. Canucks. Game day. Game day. Yeah. Second one or I guess third one, but second home game. Yeah, it's the second, well... You'll charge it up, though. It's the second game day, because the first game day was two games in one day. Yeah, but do you say that's a separate... It's the same day, is it not? Look, in the spreadsheets, it would count it as three game days, because it's like three different data points. That's now. your spreadsheets. <laughs> in the calendar, I, it's getting, one game day. Two I'm, games, one one day. I'm getting the spreadsheet slander out of the way early, because anytime you're on, you, you always start up with it somehow. They're like, oh, Vic... Too much in the spreadsheets. That's Get out day. there in the day. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm At just, the rink. I was there Sunday afternoon. Yeah, nice. I'll be there tonight. Can't wait. A uh, lot to get into. Uh, full show, actually. Adnan Verk will join us in about a half hour, as he does every Thursday. MLB, NHL Network, Cinephile Pod. Uh, Mike Benton will join us as we continue our Pacific Division previews. Uh, we'll head down to Seattle. Also preview tonight's game with uh, Mike. Uh, Andy McNeil, hockey, hockey betting analyst at VSIN, will join us at 1.30. And Rafael Gafar at 2 o'clock later on today. Uh, a lot to get into, though. Um, Aaron Judge hit 61. Fans nearly caught the ball. That was, like, low-key my favorite part of the thing, that fans didn't get the ball. Yeah, it was funny. Also, okay, the, the people reaching for it. Mm-hmm. It was a railing. How come nobody went underneath the bars? You're not thinking. You're, you're, I mean, you got some time as it's coming at you. It's pretty fast. But, like, you're sitting there the whole game. You should maybe situational awareness. So, like, hey, if I have to reach for it, it makes more sense to reach through the railing than over top and try to. You think the people it. sitting in the front row uh, in the outfield are like sophisticated athletes and sophisticated strategists? Saying, and if, they're if, going, if, like. If you can grab a $250,000 ball minimum. I think you have to prepare for everything around you. And if, if you didn't prepare for the railing being there, and hey, I can reach between the railing, yeah. that's on you. Like, there was a couple of close gloves there. I know one viral last night. What was the guy's name? Frankie Lasagna. Frankie Lasagna. Yeah. Which I'm sure Riccio is going to have a blast with later today. <laughs> Probably knows him. <laughs> right from Woodbridge. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think you should be aware. I'll, I'll pitch that by Edna Verk. It's like, should you... I've been there though. Yeah. Those, it's not a typical railing, and yeah. most like it's the Rogers Center is kind of weird, and the way that the bullpen is set up there is a bit odd. Um, not surprising that Judge put it there. Yeah, right. People were expecting if he's going to hit it, he's going to hit it to left field. Uh, Rager, wouldn't you want a fan to catch a ball worth that much? That's life changing money for me. That's like I, I want the ball to go to the person. We we were talking about this. Uh, the other day, like, what what would I do? And, and Randy, what would we do if you caught the ball? I said, like, yeah, you charge a certain amount of money, but I, I don't know if I'd do it at the extreme cost. I'd just be like, yeah, here you go. It, it should go to the team. It should go to the player. It should go to the Hall of Fame. I believe so. Uh, I saw in Detroit, I guess probably 12 years ago, they were playing the athletics. Hideki Matsui was playing for Oakland. It's the end of his career. He hit a home run and a fan caught it, and it was the 500th home run of his career between North America, Major League right. Baseball, and Japan. So a nothing home run in the grand scheme. Certainly not But judged. it meant something to, to Hideki It, it meant something to him, and the A's sent someone. This hat was in the section that I was sitting in. The A's sent someone to the section uh, and asked the guy who caught the ball 
uh, if he would give it to Matsui and Matsui would sign some jerseys and some bats and stuff like that. And this is a guy in Detroit in like 2011. And he said, I just want cash for it. And Matsui was like, nah, you can have that ball. There, there was a limit to the sentimentality. Sure. And I remember sitting there going like, this isn't the 61 or 62 yeah. or Bonds' home runs. This is very specific. And the the big, I mean, we saw in the 90s and the 2000s with Bonds how out of control those prices were on those balls. Well, the home run chase yeah. in the record, like the, the single season record and the all-time record is one thing. That was a different scenario, but fan, that fan was still like, pay me cash. Snoop the dog texting in. Like the Maguire sold for $3 million. I, I think this one was initially claimed to be at two hundred fifty k. We'll see what the actual price winds up being, but... If it was auctioned off, okay, sure, it could go for a lot more. But I think the initial set price was rumored to be 250 k I thought. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's just the tying, AL tying, right? 60, yeah. 62 is going to be bigger. Uh, Tyler, you have to be in shape and prepared to jump to the bullpen for that ball. Sell out, man. <laughs> Sell out. Reach over. Bring a net. Be uh, uh, Who's the kid, Jeffrey Meyer? Reached over in yeah. the Yankees playoff game. Yeah. yeah. Be that kid. Anyways, we'll talk about that with uh, Ed Denver. But yeah, it is a Canucks game day uh, against the Kraken. Uh, some lineup news today. Uh, so people you'll see tonight, Pearson, Miller, Garland, as we knew after the Brock Besser injury, Kuzmenko, Patterson, and Linus Carlson will get the audition uh, next to that line. Uh, Dakota Joshua, Nils Amon, and Nils Hoaglander, Phil Giuseppe, Sheldon Dries, and Will Lockwood. On defense, OEL Hughes, DeKaiser Poolman, Rathbone Burroughs uh, were your pairings, and uh, Christian Wallanen and Noah Jolson. Uh, Demko, uh, you heard from Bruce Boudreau earlier on the Canucks Hour. We'll play some of it back later as well. Uh, Demko will get a couple of periods, and Archer's Seelovs uh, will get a period himself. But the big news today, uh, there was a 20-minute span where it was very concerning uh, for Canucks fans. Uh, initially, uh, Frank Cervelli on Halford Bruff just mentioned, hey, there was some concern potentially uh, with Ilya Mikheyev. And then shortly thereafter, Rafang Gafar tweeted out that, hey, there's also a likelihood that the injury that's sustained in the first preseason game uh, could be a little bit lighter. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux also confirmed later today that uh, they're hoping that uh, Ilya Mikheyev can skate next week. So the, the big sigh of relief. Uh, Izzy, it, look, it's, it's still process. Obviously, next week is still next week, and we'll see how he recovers. But the initial report of a, a much more severe injury uh, seems to be they they avoided one here, which is massive because already, like, we can be excited about the depth of the forward group, but you see it's, it's the depth of the starters more than anything. Mm-hmm. And the progress required to get to the stage of flushing out the AHL team and getting whole new prospects in and building out what this regime is being tasked to do. It's nice to have the depth of forwards right now, but you take two guys out and it's suddenly like, all right, you are reaching a bit here. Yeah. I mean, look, we've talked about this team as a playoff hopeful. And I've said multiple times last year, I didn't think they were a playoff team. The year before the Canadian division, I didn't think they were a playoff team. This year, I feel pretty confident that they're going to be a playoff team. But there's still that team that's that's on that fringe. Uh, we just ran the at the athletic the season preview. They had it as a 50-50 shot mm-hmm. of them being a playoff team. Ninety three points of their yeah yeah just just under I think from from the average. And it's like yeah that that's what they are. They're improved. Their starting lineup is there. But when your depth and when you look at a team like Tampa, the team of Colorado, well, that they can sustain losing major pieces because. The the ground level depth is there. Canucks are not there, but they're trying to build it for sure. The the thing that strikes me too is not only is there look again, I'm excited about the four group and all healthy. I think it's one of the, the 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 top four groups in the league. But what's interesting here too is if you go to like Pittsburgh and I'm talking prime Crosby, prime Malkin, and they can just rotate wingers in and it just looks good. It's it's not just that hey you you pluck away two guys from the depth and suddenly things look a bit murky. It's that. Pedersen hasn't gotten to the stage yet where you can just put anyone next to him. He can lift everybody. And and when you talk about, okay, the guy that is hitting that superstar status, there's 
there's superstar potential there. I think he will be a superstar. Mm-hmm. I think he's shown he's shown enough flashes of it that you can comfortably say he will be. But they haven't gotten that depth of superstars that you can just plug in randoms and say, oh, right, this guy looks fine. That the, the guys you've picked up in your hockey pools or your fancy hockey leagues to play with Sidney Crosby right. randomly perform. And Michael I'm Bunting about, for, for the Leafs. Yeah, I'm, I'm not talking about like the Chris Kunitzes of the world. I'm talking about the Dominic Simones and all those guys <laughs> who've played with Sidney Crosby and gotten points. Like that's what I'm talking about here is you can plug in or when, when you, you either need superstars and multiples or you need just total depth. And right now, the Canucks don't have either, even though I'm excited about Elias Pettersson. Obviously, JT Miller can put up a lot of points mm-hmm. um, and Quinn Hughes. But you, until those guys are confirmed, they're solid, good as gold every single night, you're going to have this issue sometimes that guys that are out of the lineup and Mikheyev and, and Besser, it just it, it can look a bit scarier than overall having depth. Sure, and because we're still talking about building the lines and trying to get the best out of mm-hmm. Elias Pettersson or trying to get the best yes. out of JT Miller instead of these guys are locked and loaded and it it, it and almost is it, inconsequential who's next to Who's them. reaping the rewards of playing next to them. Yes. That hasn't been It's a different conversation. Yeah. It, it's, that's the jump. And Crosby and Malkin are probably the prime example of the last 15, 20 years where, yeah, you can quibble with, oh, you know, Crosby gets a little bit more, you know, Jake Gensel, like they have a great, great chemistry, et cetera, et cetera. But if they had to shift things, your expectations for Sidney Crosby aren't changing. Whereas our conversations about the lines for the Canucks has very much been, okay, we know what Pedersen looks like when he's at his best. We know what Miller looks like when he's at his best. We know what Horvat looks like while he's at his best. We have a collection of wingers now on this team. What are the best fits? What, what are the best strategic ideas too? That, that's the wrinkle. Where with Crosby and Malkin, you don't you don't even have to think about it. Mm-hmm. You, you're not putting any thought into, okay, beyond chasing maybe an one individual matchup or trying to put them in in a situation late in the game where you're you're trying to supercharge something. Coaches say it all the time, right? You're they're not building out the lineups for 82 games in the same way that they sure. are for the playoffs. And in in this case, we're still spending a lot of time looking at well. What would this player look like next to this, next to Pedersen or Miller or Horvat? And it's not just entirely about what will they get out of playing with them. It's what can that player bring to that line and, and to those players, which is why, you know, the Mikheyev inj- injury at, at this point is a disappointing one because you would have liked to see what he would look like next to all of those guys. But as Bruce mentioned, uh, something we'll monitor into next week, uh, hoping that he gets back on the ice for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, at their skates. So you're the lineup. Uh, who's someone uh, that that you want to keep an eye on here in this uh, third preseason game? Because uh, I feel like it's just going to, the focus goes back on someone like Andre Kuzmenko because we still want to see this grow into what do you look like as an NHLer? And it's still just preseason. That's a, a, an important caveat here. But the shroud of mystery just slowly gets unfurled. But Still, it's it's another spot to look at him and say, okay, how do you fit in the NHL and uh, against the Kraken, who are still building out their team? But nevertheless, uh, t- for me, he's still the most interesting guy to keep an eye on this evening. I saw him up close on on Sunday, and you can see the the tools at work. But one game, it's impossible to say whether or not you know it's going to lead to to yeah. bust or or ceiling, but. But that's what this time of the year is for, right? It's it's who's got the the opportunity to show something right now. And his spot next to Elias Pettersson, like he started there, he remains there, has mm-hmm. shown nothing to be displaced from there. No, no, no. It's, it's certainly he he fits, mm-hmm. but it's what's you know what's the the bigger package mm-hmm. going to be? That that's a huge question for the middle of this lineup. There's no doubt. Is is him and Hoaglander right now the the most entertaining? camp battle it's not as traditional as like like the nfl of like well this guy deliberately plays this spot and mm-hmm. he's gonna get benched because hoaglander can still get minutes because of the Besser and mckay of injuries yeah um but as far as like trying to map out these ideas of how this guy could go with this guy uh starting on game one hoaglander is also going to play tonight again on a line with nils amen and uh, dakota joshua but that that to me is still kind of the most fascinating camp battle right now yeah for sure um, and and guy in Hoaglander who 
has impressed through training camp in the preseason, mm-hmm. but has a little bit of the baggage from last year. And we know what he can do when he's put in, in a good position and when he's working at uh, putting himself in a good position. It's it's an interesting player. It's, it's a player that can fit next to some of the, the big guns. And Kuzmenko has a little bit more of that offensive upside, a little bit more of that flash. I guess it's ultimately going to come down to what the coaching staff believes is is the best way for them to deploy this lineup to win games uh, because they they do have options and mm-hmm. those two guys those guys stand out and then I think if you're just looking at the projected roster for tonight where Jack Rathbone ends well, up and what what that looks like is is fascinating because when you're building it out and if you're assuming Hughes can play on the right side having a player like Rathbone in the top six is. A real interesting wrinkle. So I was going to bring up the defense as far as Cam Battles because it's probably more interesting. But there's only one guy to get really excited about. Jack Rathbone's the only real difference maker. Like Luke Shen can play a pivotal role, but we all understand like what that role is going to be. Kyle Burrows is tenacious; he can play certain physical profile and and be kind of a, a backbone member. But we understand there's certain limitations, and Danny DeKaiser, people are still learning about him, but at the same time, we saw the mobility in the first game. wasn't overly exciting. That battle, it's really just about how the minutes are going to get dispersed, but the only real exciting part of that is if Jack Rathbone takes a step. Is there something there? Is there something there, and he separates himself from the pack, and then you just work on the pairings, and he goes with Shannon, and then it becomes like Tucker Pullman and Tyler Myers. Yeah. That's not as exciting. Like, there's an upside version of Nils Hoaglander that I'm skeptical that he'll get there. But I understand, like, I see what everyone else sees and, and why people get excited about him. I know the underlying profile looks nice. There are defensive woes, and sometimes his positioning in the offensive zone can go a bit astray. But still, like, there's skill. He works hard, obviously. Mm-hmm. You can understand, hey, the best version of this player can be really exciting, and the best version of Andre Kuzmenko can be really exciting. That's a two upside people competing. The upside to Luke Shen and Kyle Burroughs is completely different from Jack Rathbone. That's and, and that's why like the the overall impact on winning, maybe the the camp battle on defense is more interesting, but the overall impact of just this guy competing versus this guy, yeah, and who can make the roster and who can play in a premium role. Hoaglander and Kuzmenko to me is the most is the most interesting one. Yeah, it's, I guess it's the most kind of straight up. Yeah. What what can this guy show us? And you just laid out the traits and the details of a Hoaglander's game in, in a good way there. And that's the thing. It's like, yeah, there are these lapses and there are these moments in the defensive zone where maybe he gets lazy or mm-hmm. maybe there's another word to use, but I'll, I'll use that one for now. But then you, you look at the flip side and yeah, this guy does work hard. And it's always about, is it teachable? Are there teachable moments? Right. Here? And you look at other players who have come into the NHL, have had their chance and it becomes fairly obvious that there's not there's there's no foundation to build on. The, the it doesn't really matter how they're deployed or or how a coach is going to approach them and try to get them to buy in. They don't have the mindset or the skill set or mm-hmm. both. And with Hoaglander, like I, I think that's what was frustrating for a lot of people last year. He he clearly has at times the mindset and at times the skill set. Mm-hmm. And marrying those two things leads to that high upside player. We know what that looks like because we've seen it for pretty decent stretches of his career to this point, still still a young player, but pretty decent stretches of his career. Whereas Kuzmenko is more of the tantalizing one. Like, is, is, can this guy be a game-breaker? We know that Hoaglander has got some flash to his game, but the success that he's had in the NHL has mostly been about effort and pursuit and things like that, whereas Kuzmenko is, a, the, you said earlier, Big, it's, it's a little bit more mysterious. What's in this package? And, and who does he need to play with or what kind of positions does he need to be in for it to be unlocked? Is he more mysterious just because there's uh, examples of other KHL players that have come across and it just it, it looks like such a disaster? Or is it more mysterious because um, the the unknown of the KHL, right? It, it's like we, we've, we've seen the Vadim Shipachev come across and it's like, oh yeah, that guy just didn't work out. Is, is it more fear-based? Because, again, it's just one game. That's where we're going off. But, again, you were there. Certainly fit. And I, I feel like we can tell, okay, this guy fits. We can debate how high he fits. Is he going to just be a guy who's 20 points and can have a six-year career in the NHL? 
there's a, a lot of names that are just littered with that type of career. Or is this someone that you just look at and say, whoa, this, this guy just doesn't belong. And I feel like he's maybe in the former. And I still view that as a win. Just getting an ELC guy that can play real NHL games, like that's a, that's a win. Yeah. But I think people are expecting like 45 points in this not generational or anything like that. Be like, mm-hmm. wow, this mm-hmm. is found money, the next big Russian player. Whereas the truth might be somewhere just like in the middle. Yeah, the biggest hurdle I think with the KHL is how does the production translate? Mm-hmm. And putting up numbers, it's a weird league at the best of times. With uh, you, you hear it all the time. We've certainly heard it in Vancouver with prospects with Vasily Podkolzin, and you start to look at the way that those teams are run and who who gets to play. And your Podkolzin's a top ten prospect, mm-hmm. a top ten pick in the draft, and he goes back to the KHL to play, and he's not playing. Why is that? Oh, because there's all these politics at play and stuff like that. And it, it makes it hard to analyze for a player like Kuzmenko, who's produced over there. But what's that? What's the equation? Or what's the... Especially the way that the game's changing now, the way that the game's being played, and I think it's probably not evolved in the KHL as fast as it does in the NHL. And that's that's normal. I think that's probably across hockey. The, the fastest changes, the biggest changes are at the highest level where the athletes are the best, the players are the best. And the way that the game's being changed has, uh, being played has changed quite dramatically mm-hmm. in a pretty short period of time, which has made that calculus of, oh, this guy's coming over from the KHL or this guy's coming over from Sweden. What's that going to look like? And setting all of that up, I understand why a Canucks fan would sit here and go, I, why can't this guy score 50 points, right? That, that's, that's the upside of being a fan, is it not? Oh, yeah. Just always believe. Yeah. That's fine. That's like found money. You yeah. said it. 50-point guy, ELC, let's go. But but found money to me is also just a, a guy who plays six years and scores 25 points and is just reliable. Like, that's found money That's because you're in the spreadsheets, though. I'm just saying, like, there's value in just even getting that guy for free into your organization. Yeah, but in this case, it's a year. Sure. Which is another wrinkle. Yeah. What are you getting from this guy for a year for a team that at an ELC contract? For an ELC contract, yeah. which is great value, mm-hmm. right? It's you always hear there's no such thing as a as a bad one year deal. You sign someone, it doesn't work. You can move them on. If the cap hits low enough, you can put them down in the minors. Yeah. All of that kind of stuff. But uh, this team needs to win, right? Like, and yes. what, what's this? This team's going for the playoffs, and he's got something to prove, and and they they have something to prove. Six fifty, six fifty. Uh, we appreciate any text that comes in. Uh, a, a lot of home run texts coming in, actually. But we'll get to this one. Why do you guys have to say "but" after complimenting a Canucks player? Truth is, uh, trying to provide the entire scope of a player's—I don't want to say scouting report, but analysis. How about that? And truth is. Canucks don't have a lot of perfect players. There you go. You won't hear many butts after Demko or Hughes. That's probably where the yeah <laughs> where it ends. Yeah, and I'm very partial to Elias Patterson. Same, but I can admit that it hasn't been as consistent. But we appreciate the text coming in. Uh, Bick Nazar and Israel Fair here on the People's Show. Uh, we'll talk to Adnan Verk on the other side from MLB NHL Network and the Cinephile pod as well. So Aaron Judge hits that home run. He's got 61. We'll get into some of the takes coming in the inbox. There's a lot of home run thoughts uh, right now coming into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbo- inbox. We'll, we'll tee those up with Adnan Verk coming up next here on the People's Show. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. People show Bic Nazar, Israel Fair, Dominic Shermati running the show. We're actually in the Kintech studio. Uh, we were in the backup studio for the first two hours of the show. We just got the thumbs up that everything's working. 
Uh, so we're we're doing a trial run for our for the final hour of the People's Show here. Beautiful in here. It's bright in here. Yeah, we're we're not quite on the uh, the official stream just yet, but we're we're back in the main studio. This is exciting. A sneak peek for the yeah. people out there listening. Uh, I gotta say, as someone who's not in here every day, but yeah. is here relatively often, a couple times a month at least. Uh, Enough you that should people be around the office don't question who you are. That's anymore. right. Like that's again, like we're, we're the, our friends down the hall at yeah. City News and. Uh, at uh, my Sonic face and Jack. has become part of the furniture. Yeah. People think you work here, but they're they aren't sure. Yes, it, I I actually like it. It's a good place to be. I think people think you work in sales. Um, you think I have that kind of vibe? No, because like there there's very much the work from home vibe. Yeah, whereas like the the, the, so the on I air come in a couple times. Tell yeah. Bic, unfortunately, we can't get this sponsored again. <laughs> I tried my best. Yeah. Maybe if you wore your hat backwards once in a while. <laughs> I can't do that. We, we get you a hat sponsor. We'll never do that. We'll never. I mean, that's <laughs> why we're blank ones. It's tough to find good blank hats, to be honest. Is it? Like like fitted blank hats. Yeah. It's Snapbacks are all the thing. Now. I know. It's tough. I, I, I I'm, a, it. I'm still a fitted guy. Uh, this Hour of the People show brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Your Kubota All-Star team. AvenueMachinery.ca, DouglasLakeEquipment.com. Also, Canucks preseason coverage on Sportsnet 650. Brought to you by Black and Lee. Suiting up just got easier for modern suit and tuck sales. Fashionable menswear and same-day rentals. Visit BlackAndLee.com. Irfan Gafar joins us from the fourth period. Canucks insider. Irf, how are you? I'm a fitted guy if it's like the on-field fitted hat. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, otherwise, you're a snapback. Snapback for the most part. Yeah. Really, I I just don't like snapbacks. I I just don't see what the the appeal is. Or a dad hat. Wait, what's a dad hat? Like the. Uh... No, like the like the like the. The bucket hats. No, no, not a bucket hat. Actually, I do have a Seahawks bucket hat. That's pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, bucket hats are I'm, I'm all right with, but it, I it, can throw it, it in the same bucket that they can throw the rest of their season. <laughs> what are you talking about, man? It's a great season. They they beat Denver. That's all that matters. That's true. That's true. But yeah, no. I, if it's if it's the on field hat, like the the good one, then I'm all in for for the fitted. Yeah, I, I just snapbacks. I just don't get it. Uh, George texting in the the, the teal uh, Vancouver Grizzly snapback hats are sick. It, is it's part of yeah. the appeal? Is like the the snapback is a different color? Is that part of the appeal? No, that has nothing to do with anything. But um, I, I think that. Okay, but first of all, the Grizzlies on any thing, that logo is great. Yes. Like, I, I think that, that that just goes without saying. People always throw out, like, what's the best old NBA logo that people, that they need to bring back or whatever. Full time. It's the Grizzlies. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even think it's close. Are you hyped for the uh, uh, doc that premieres uh, this week here? Uh, yeah. The Grizzly so. Truth. We're talking to Steve went, Francis tomorrow. I, I, went, I went to see the other one. I want to see what Steve Francis has to say. Mm-hmm. Like... He's got to get booed if he's there in person. Well, by the way, he's uh, on the show tomorrow at uh, twelve thirty here on the people. Boom on the station too. What's that? Boom on the station too. Okay, here's the thing, and I was saying this to Randeep when it was announced. It's it like the the fourteen year old version of me is very much like yeah, like the the Grizzlies fan, and he, he was booed. I was there at the second game at GM Place, and it was a raucous affair. And you know, Grizzlies win that one. All it was it was tremendous atmosphere. But I think we just like know more about um, player movement, player empowerment now, and n- not that it would have been forgiven, but I think we would have understood it a lot differently in 2022 than 1999. I don't know. I don't think so. I think when someone goes up there and pouts and whines and you know, sure, and, and not wanting to be and whatever, I think absolutely a culprit in all that. Yeah, even if it ha- even if it happened now, if someone got drafted to a city where they said that they didn't want to play. You know, I think that people would be upset by it. I but, think the fan base would. I think the fan base would lose their mind. But wouldn't it look I more think like the empowerment? The empowerment thing's great. Yes, but, but it, it would look more like what we saw with Russell Wilson than what we saw twenty three years ago. Yeah, but Russell Wilson was already established. He didn't get to pick where he went when he got drafted. This is when no, the guy he also got forced drafted. his way out. Yeah, but this is after this guy was drafted, and then he was he didn't want to be there before he got drafted. He got drafted there. I I just like again. I understand why everyone's gonna tomorrow and that's fine i'm totally for it i, I don't think they will I, uh, but i hope they do <laughs> well we'll see what happens again uh we're, we're talking to him tomorrow at 12 30 uh here on the people show uh excited to see what he says uh, and plus he's yes he is part of the the documentary that uh cat jamie put together uh the grizzly truth uh, she'll be on with us as well tomorrow at 12 30 here on the people show all right Ilya Mikheyev. 
a severe injury or not severe injury, Irf? Uh, I think he's going to skate um, <laughs> tomorrow or the next day. Um, we know that he had two opinions, um, and it's not as concerning as you know what came out earlier today. But look, I, I think no matter what, if he's out week to week or whatever it is, that still sucks if you're the Vancouver Canucks, right? Because he's one of your good breakthrough agent signings. You want him to be there for the start of the season, and he, unfortunately he gets hurt. The silver lining, he didn't tear his ACL. And, and I think that that's, you know, if you're the, if you're the Vancouver Canucks, you know, you, you're, you're happy about that, obviously, but you're still trying to figure out ways to fill this roster spot. So, Mikheyev, again, week to week, um, he had a couple opinions on it, and that's exactly where we are right now. Was that uh, that 20 minutes of madness where we weren't exactly sure what was going on there, just peak Vancouver, Earth? Uh, I have my thoughts on it. You guys can text me, but yeah. <laughs> Do we yeah, know what the injury specifically was? Like, was it a knee injury? Was it a... It's lower body, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Um, Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I got nothing. <laughs> uh, so tonight, uh, we're getting ready for camp yeah. battles here. Uh, w- like, what camp battles still stand out to you or that you're looking at and say, okay, this is still interesting? Because and... the roster shouldn't be defined. They've made some financial investments in certain players, but what camp battles still stand out to you here? I think it's kind of just where guys are going to slot in. You know, is Phil DiGiuseppe, is, is he going to make another solid push at, you know, cracking a roster spot? Is a guy like Jack Rathbaugh going to play another 25 minutes? Like, what are we going to see from that? And you know what? You, you want to see from what uh, from Thatcher Demko in, in a game situation. And, you know, we read, his, read uh, Ian McIntyre's piece about, you know, what he said and how everyone was so impressed by his season last year. And, yes, it was great, but he really wasn't. And I think that, you know, that shows a lot of maturity for a guy that wants to be, you know, a part of the solution for this team um, in the next few years, right? We know what's on his contract. We know what's left on it. We know he's had a very friendly number. So that's one of the things I'm interested in looking at. Obviously, we only know he's only probably going to play two periods. But um, Demko's, Demko's up there for me um, just to kind of see what you're going to get out of him. And, and honestly, the workload. What type of workload is he going to get this season? Is he going to go above 60-something games, right? So... Like he he gives your team the best chance to win night in and night out. Um, let's just see how hard you know Bruce Boudreau is going to push that. We're Bick and I were talking about this at the start of the show about how this is still a team, even if people have expectations that they can make the playoffs, that they're they're going to need to to supercharge something. They're going to have to be bold on the blue line and maybe play Quinn Hughes on the right side. They they certainly have some more options up front, but we don't have any. You know, ready-made combinations of what that's going to look like, and as you mentioned, Durf, you know, is, is Thatcher Demko going to be a guy that they're gonna that they're gonna ride as we saw uh, at times last year? Like of those three things, which do you think we can learn the most from in preseason? Where maybe get an idea of of what this coaching staff and what this organization actually thinks they have with this group? As soon as you get a game where everyone plays the final tune-up, the final preseason game, or the closest opening night roster to, to what it would be, I, I think is what you'll learn about this team. Because right now, I mean, we talk about identity in sports and, and what type of identity do, do, do teams want to be and to, to teams want to have. And for the Vancouver Canucks, at some point last year, when, you know, Bruce Rugo took over, it looked like a team that was going to be hard to play against. You were going to be tenacious on the forecheck. They were going to push the pace and push the envelope and, and be that team. Um, I'm interested to see how long it's going to take and, and what they're going to do into this season. Are they going to be that same type of team where they want to push the pace of the game? And, or are they going to be a team that's, you know, very, very structural defensively and, and, and shut it down and make teams really, really hard to play against them? Or um, are they going to team that, you know, you've had a lot of success on the power play. Maybe just special teams killers this season. So there, there's lots of different question marks when it comes to, you know, identity surrounding the Vancouver Canucks. And preseason is kind of where you learn it. And the regular season is, start, is where you start to put it into place. So, um, Bruce Boudreaux's had, obviously, the entire summer. He had a, a, a bunch of games last season to figure out what he wants. I know, obviously, he's gotten to know a lot of these players, um, you know, a little bit better over the summer and, and things of that nature. But um, it's, time to put it all, it's time to put it all to the test and, and, and on the ice because I don't think that we can be sitting here having these conversations about what is this Vancouver Canucks team come, you know, November, December. 
Yeah, and it, it's a thing that just strikes me in, in, in our conversations with players uh, th- that we talked about the Milford, like the, the start of the season kept getting reinforced. Uh, in yeah. your conversation, just like it, it does feel like, okay, there's a recognition. How much of that is just regular player speak of, yeah, like we have to do the, the, the next task? Or how much of it is there a, an honest acknowledgement and internal like belief that, hey, this, this start of the season, they have to have to under no equivocation fix this problem well if you want to push for a playoff spot you can't win eight of your first 20 something games only eight right and then and i think that they know that right starts are important it's cliche we say it all the time you gotta get off to a good start you gotta give whatever 110 percent. but for this team this season you have to there there's no ifs ands or buts you gotta get off to a good start and yes there already are a little bit of built-in excuses as you start the season on the road but i think that's a good thing especially for this group is go on the road, get out of the way, get out of here for a little bit, um, and you know, you build that chemistry and 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 things like that with your teammates. But yeah, they can't afford to fall behind the eight ball early. They they really can't, right? And you know, you got lucky last season. You had that boost Bujo bump, and you won a lot of games, and you started to play really really well. Well, you know what? You still didn't make the playoffs, right? It, it, it's great. It was a good story. Bruce, there it is. All that. It was great. You're still five <laughs> points out of the playoffs. Right, so what are we talking about this season? Right now, everyone's even. So the Canucks need to go into this season thinking that they need to get ahead of the curve right away and and be a very very good team to start the season. I think looking at that mix and, and the players that they have and, and the track record, whether it's the Boudreaux part of the season or what yeah. we've seen from this group before that, if they're going to be successful, they're going to have to score goals. They're going to have to be yeah. an offensive team, and they're going to have to rely on Thatcher Demko and what they can get from that defense. And to that point is there with, with some of the new players and yes, McKay of not being involved now, or at least for the time being maybe complicates the question, but is there, a, is there a duo that you're looking for from this team? Because we don't really have a great idea of what the lines are going to look like other than Miller, Pedersen and Horvat should be lining up at center. And they have track records with, they, they each have track records with different wingers, but I don't think that, anyone is particularly attached to, to them. You know, Pedersen has to play with this person. Miller has to play with this person. Is there one duo above all that you think that the Canucks should lean in on with, with any of those three guys? Pedersen, Kuzmenko, probably. I know we saw a little bit of it in practice and whatever, but um, you want to give your newest shiny new toy the, the, the chance to be successful, you put them with your best player, right? And yes, JT Miller was their best player last season, their MVP, but... By all accounts, Elias Pedersen is your most talented forward. And he's a guy that, you know, is going to take this team. Like I've always said, you know, this team is going to go as far as guys like Elias Pedersen, Quinn Hughes, and Thatcher Demko can take them. Well, this is your time now, right? And this is where you want to be. You want to be in this position where, you know, all bets are off. You've got a pretty, pretty good team on paper. Yes, there are some injuries. Brock's hurt. McKayev's hurt. But they're going to be back eventually. Um, so you try and surround your best players with, that talent. And, and I think that for a lot of us, yes, we still don't know what um, Kuzmenko is. And I think that that's one of the, one of the things that excites the coaching staff a lot is he's that wild card. You know, he, he's a guy that, you know, could, could go off and then have a brilliant season or unfortunately he can't. But I think that, you know, by putting him with someone like Elias Pedersen, who is a playmaker, who's a very, very talented hockey player who sees the game better than anybody else, probably on that team. Um, giving him a chance to play with a guy like Kuzmenko, I think it, it, it could work wonders. And, I, and what's to say that if it doesn't, you know, you, you move him with Miller, you move him with a guy like Horvat. But I think that that's the two that you got to start the season with. Uh, we spent so much time talking about the expiring contract of Horvat. Uh, just really quickly here. And, and look, he hasn't played NHL games, so we just don't know. But technically, Andre Kuzmenko is an expiring contract. Do you have a sense of, like, what the the talks could be or when they would pick up if, if this works? Of uh, of him staying in Vancouver, or is this just a one year? Let's figure it out next off season. I think let's figure it out. Let's let's let's, let's let the kid play in the NHL. Right, right. Let's, let's let him get his first game under his belt in the NHL. Let's get him playing in a hostile environment in a different building, or or playing meaningful games in March and April. Right, and, and I think that that for them is what they want to see out of him. 
right? I mean, look, the guy scores 25 goals this year, and you got sure, yeah. to have some tough conversations. I, 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 I suppose but, I'm asking from from the from the Kuzmenko camp. Is there an urgency to just hey, if if it, if it's a good 30 some odd games, and you get to February, and you're thinking, hey, we can secure ourselves the next paycheck, or do you say maybe we just risk it and go to summer and really try to see what the market is? I think his focus is solely on, and their focus is solely on, you know playing at the NHL level and being an everyday NHL and learning the game and learning how to be a pro and all that kind of stuff and playing the North American game on the smaller ice and, and things like that. Um, I don't think that they're going to be too, too worried, but you know, if things just start to go the in trend in the right direction and um, you know, he does end up scoring and then they want to, like you mentioned, get a little bit of a payday here. I, I think that, you know, someone's going to make a phone call to someone, but um, yeah, I think right now for, for him, the focus is on just being a very, very good, solid everyday NHLer. We're going to see Demko tonight, and, and as we we've already said, you know, the, this season in a, a lot of ways hinges on on how he plays and, and the level that he can be at. But there is that that sub conversation of what's the realistic expectation for the backup player for the depth of this group. And Spencer Martin played on on Sunday, and from what we saw with him from him was 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 fine. Seelovs uh, certainly made an impression through training camp and, and preseason. He's apparently going to get a period tonight as well. Um, like what what do you think is the viewpoint that the organization has right now on the depth that they have behind Demko? I think it's I think Spencer Martin's your backup, right? And I think that at the same time they're still trying to win hockey games at the American League level. Right. So you got to have someone that can stop the puck there too. You know, you can't just, you know, so Silovs is probably going to be the guy there. Um, and then you obviously, you know, have you have delay as well. That, 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 that is there for, for some more depth, but um, yeah, it's, it's the Thatcher Demko Spencer Martin show. Right. And if Spencer Martin can prove that he can come in and give Demko a break on nights that he has to, and not just back to backs, but if the Canucks are feeling like, you know, they're, they're, they're playing him too much where they have, you know, four games in, in however many nights or, or three games in, in quick, quick succession. And Demko can get a couple games off or, or a game or two off here or there randomly. And, and Spencer Martin's proved that he can go in and, and be that guy. I think that's a, that's a huge thing for, for Thatcher Demko to be able to have, be able to have in his back pocket as well, knowing that he's got a guy behind him that can help his team win night in and night out. And it's obviously known that you talk to guys around the league, you know, players always play harder for their backup goalie anyway. So there's definitely going to be that uh, aspect of it as well. But I think that if Spencer Martin can, can come in and, and, and be that guy that gives Demko a break, not only in back-to-back situations, but on the random night off that, that Demko might need, I think that'll be something that, you know, the Canucks are going to be really, really, really pleased with. Uh, we got to ask because we got to ask. Uh, Bo Horvat, any update? Nope. All right. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> easy enough. Irf, uh, thank you. Appreciate it as always. Dolphins tonight? Uh, I okay, so I'm, I'm on three and a half. Um, I'm a little skeptical, a because I'm a Dolphins hater apparently. Uh, but also like, man, <laughs> and they just played 90 plays on defense four days ago. That's gonna be tough in a turnaround here. Yeah, but Burrow really hasn't shown me he can do anything right now this season. I'm, I have Burrow in a couple of fantasy leagues, and it's it looks nice at the end of the day. But you watch the game, it's like I don't know how long this is gonna last. It, it kind of feels like two kind of. Teams in transition, one with the arrow pointing up and one with the point, the arrow pointing down tonight. I got slapped so hard in fantasy last week, I don't even want to play this week. How'd you do in the picks, though? Uh, picks, I was okay. There you go. I mean, that's all the ones that really matter. Yeah. But, I mean, fantasy, you can recover. The, the, the other one, maybe not so much. Yeah. You would know, Big. Yeah. I, yes. I mean, yeah, I had the a other tough one, year. not so much. Yeah. All right, man. We'll talk soon. All right, gentlemen. Be well. Thanks, Erf. That's the guy, Erfan Gafar, Canucks Insider from the fourth period. 59% so far. Well, 58.8. I'm just saying. Just saying. Tomorrow, pick six. Making its return for week four. Getting awfully, awfully confident off of a couple weeks. Yeah. Got to. Well, I, look, I took so much shade from you and Randeep and the listeners. And <laughs> the listeners, I understand. Okay? The listeners, look, I do the segment. I want I want it to It's because be I was in here with you. It was like three straight weeks, and you yeah. were doing the picks. And every week, you're like, "Hey, man, I feel really good about my picks. This well, is gonna I, be good." I, I and the first week, I was there four, for yeah. you, and I was like, "You know what? I'm your number one fan this weekend." And then you went one and five, and I yeah. said, ah, "Now I'm two just I'm turning straight to shade." Uh, I, you guys are supposed to be the one helping me, propping me up. Didn't have that. Again, it's it, it, it's a teammate thing. I, I need the wind beneath my wings here, but uh, just didn't have it. You guys were dragging me down. We're not part of your co-op, man. <laughs>
price of the bricks going up. <laughs> uh, yeah, big six uh, tomorrow here on the People's Show. All right, we do it every day. You got to take, drop it into the inbox. Six fifty, six fifty. It's don't at me. Your takes uninterrupted. Don't at me. Text in your submissions to six fifty, six fifty. Don't at me. I said what I said. Get your takes in to the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. The smart alternative is at Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Don't at me, Izzy. If you catch a milestone ball, yep. just give it back to the team. Take a nominal fee. but A nominal? Like, what is this? Like a transaction fee? Just give it back to the, the team. I, I I understand that, like, hey, it's a historic ball. You but you want cash. Scores. But like a small fee, like you shouldn't leave what if the stadium. It, what if it's with jersey signed jerseys, signed bats, signed yeah, balls? Uh, cool. That ca- that counts as the fee. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. But don't leave the stadium with the balls. What I'm saying. Okay. So they're 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 interviewing. What's his name again? Frankie Lasagna. Frankie Laz. Yeah. Yeah. They're interviewing right now. Oh my goodness. It's like you missed the ball. <laughs> it's 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 dire, man. I don't even know. That guy's such a clown. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys seen his Twitter content or his TikTok content? No, but I, and I'm watching him on, on Tim and Friends right now with a with a glove. He's got his glove in it's the like, yeah, you missed. Don't at me. And look, he's trying to backhand it over top of the railing. Oh, well, I'll, I'll play. You, you Don't at me if you're a, a bit of a jack wagon if you're an adult and you bring a glove to a game. You think so, eh? Yeah. So I miss your don't at me because I... That was going to be my don't oh, at me. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're good. Oh, okay. We're on the same wavelength. But... Is it not different for the like history? No. no. Oh, okay. barehanded. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. I'm just asking you. I'm not sure if this is still culturally appropriate, but be a man. <laughs> barehanded. Uh, I I don't know if there's a big problem bringing a glove to this yeah. moment. To when this you're moment. when you're a grown ass man, you do not bring a glove to the ballpark. Seems odd. You think? No. Again, for regular circumstances, I understand. I wouldn't want. I wouldn't but do that anyways. He, For this one, where it's like, hey, I'm trying to catch the ball. Again, I don't. Just agree, I don't, you I don't, already have the take. I'm trying to catch the ball just so I can present it to Aaron Judge. What difference does it make? For him, he wants to sell it for profit. If that's what you're trying to do, you're but probably bringing. Then you the should glove. be with us. You should be doubling down. That not only is this guy s- wearing a glove to a baseball I'm game. I'm to put myself in his shoes. He's going against your take. Of he's going to run trying, out of the stadium and try I'm to get to more than a nominal other, fee. My view of the world is not the only view of the world here. That's all I'm saying. It's way more impressive if you barehand a, a home run, by the way. 100%. Way but more impressive. I imagine to the people that wore the glove to last night, they wanted to give themselves an advantage nah. to grab it. It's tougher, I admit, and it looks cooler. Leave the kids to the gloves. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Can I get a quick one in? Yeah, sure. Uh, don't at me. Uh, the Phillies are a joke. They've lost, they've lost <laughs> five in a row. Coming. They've lost five in a row. They just got swept by the Cubs, who are absolutely awful. Is that bad? And they're now tied for the last wild card spot, holding a uh, tiebreaker with the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. It's bad in Philly. It is bad. Uh, don't at me. Let's go to the inbox. 650-650. Bick is so afraid of Thursday Night Football that his Bick 6 doesn't come out till Fridays. Come on, man. Chris and Duncan. I don't often pick Thursdays because it's, it's weird. Thursdays are different. Uh, this one. You got one there? No. Oh, okay. Uh, don't at me. Kuzmenko ends the season with 20 goals and 30 assists. Brad in Cloverdale. That would be a phenomenal season. What a win that would be. Again, we talked about expectations. For me, it's like 35, 40 points. 42 would be like just perfect number. I need to read this one. Yep. Uh, don't at me. Dom has the most ridiculous <laughs> monotone voice. I was going to read it. Don't worry about Can it. Can you guys give him a voice modulator or something? Auto-tune him. It's painful. T-Pain. I'm sorry. <laughs> what would be your, your rap name? D-Pain? T-Pain? Um, I don't know. D-Pain, yeah. What is that? D-Shram? No. Domino. Oh, God. DJ Domino. DJ Domino. He's shaking his head right now. Can't so he's just bad. rattled about What's the wrong Phillies, with my voice? Man. Yeah, I am actually. I don't think there's anything wrong with your voice, but look, like, these takes come in. We got to read them. It's true. Auto tune. <laughs> They're meant to be unfiltered. Can you give us a T Pain sample of what that would sound like, just so the listener knows, like how terrible that would sound for just regular talking 
Dom to be in t- in 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 auto tune. No, turn your mic off. All right. It's yeah. I don't. I can't pull it up quick enough. Don't even want to want to try it. Like, don't nah. even just like make a fake emulator. Just just do it on your own. I can't. All right. I wouldn't do it. So I don't blame you. It's fine. We do have an open segment though where we can get the auto tune. <laughs> Uh, don't at me. 61 isn't 73. Give me a break with, with all this record BS. So technically, it's an AL record. It is, yes. He tied, Aaron Judge tied the American League record because the three guys who have hit more, Bonds, McGuire, and Sosa, all played in the National League. So technically, it's a record, but... But, like, who... It's, yeah. you know... I know ALNL obviously has more history than Eastern Conference, Western Conference in, uh basketball and hockey and even more than AFC NFC in in football but it's like saying hey you know this guy has the eastern conference sure. Alex Ovechkin has the eastern conference record for goals it, yeah it's a stretch by the way but Chris, it's the Yankees though Chris that's and, why Chris and Duncan making an excellent point in don't at me if you're a grown-ass man and you bring a glove to the ballpark if the ball hits your glove and you don't catch it you have zero excuses but the ball didn't hit his glove I thought it did. It I, did. I thought it hit the wall. No, no, no. It hit his glove, and he, he he dropped it. Oh, I thought he was just reaching for it, and they all missed. Oh, well, that's even worse then. Okay, that's fair. I honestly thought it just hit the wall, but I haven't looked at the replay enough times. I just thought they reached over the railing, backhanded it, and they all missed, and it just hit the wall, and it fell below. Well, then, ha-ha. <laughs> uh, don't at me. Uh, I just lost it here. Brock Besser will be ready for the first regular season game. Seems hopeful. It was three to four weeks was a projection. That goes against 50 years of Canucks history. (laughs) There was one, Marcus and Gibson Theater. Canucks injury reports, don't at me, are more predictable than Dom saying he's got that dog in him during a football segment. Only when we're talking about the Jets and Zach Wilson. Sure. Only. only. Uh, This one. Uh... No, I can't read that Way one. Way to pre-read. Yeah, I just no, I can't read that one. Uh, don't at me. Uh, Kent Johnson going to win the Calder Trophy, plus twelve hundred. Easy money from Tanbeer. Does he have that dog in him? <laughs> I don't know. There it is. There it is. Therapy. Uh, Calder Trophy. I, I, I'm. I think there's a lot of hype about Mason McTavish this year. Mm-hmm. Going to be the premier one. I, I think Matty Beniers would be the one I'd be looking at. It's not quite as deep now. It's it's plus 500 in and around spots, but that's what I just feel like. The production should be there. Because I feel like it's going to get plum A usage matters. Yeah. And also, I feel like this is a bit of a narrative award, too. Whereas Heart Trophy, yeah, that's a bit of a narrative award. But, like, the individual ones is if you can, like, picture um, someone's success in a certain market and why that matters. I think that also drives some of this as well. If Maddie Beneers has success over And Owen the Kraken Power, are improved. Yeah, and the Kraken's like, oh, wow, this guy's Yeah, but Owen Power has number one pick. Sure. Buzz, too, right? That that, that one's, it's... But if, it takes if, a lot for a number one pick to have a good season and not win. If Marco Rossi and... My pick last year, by the way. <laughs> who? <laughs> Marco Rossi right. didn't if, play. If Marco Rossi <laughs> and Maddie Beneers have the exact same season... Who do you think is more likely to win? Now, Marco Rossi's 16 to 1, and Maddie Beneers is plus 500. Like, I feel Maddie Beneers is more likely to win in that scenario. Yeah, but also you're not getting the value on the line sure. there either. Don't have me take the juice on Kuzmenko for Calder. I don't have odds for that one. Up what? In front of me. So I, I just don't have it open. Like, do you have. I don't, oh. but I imagine you get good juice. I imagine, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, 650, 650. Keep coming with your thoughts. We'll play uh, some of Bruce Boudreaux on the other side. Uh, A lot more on the way here on The People Show.